0: Good to see you this Sunday morning. How are you doing today? Great. Just quiet. Just Great. quiet. Great. Just move on, pre- preacher man. It's good to see you all today. Um, visitors and guests, we're so glad to have you. If you're visiting with us and you have uh, never filled out a visitor card, you can scan that QR code in the bulletin. If you know how to do that, and you'll be able to find a, a bulletin online. It's got all kinds of stuff there. and At the bottom of it, you'll have a... A way to let us know that you're visiting with us, worshiping with us today. Same if you're online. We'd love to have you do that as well. I've a few announcements to make. Um, we're on our regular schedule this week. Nothing adi- additional going on. Uh, a few items to emphasize. Again, we are um, in another round of, of uh, getting together Arctic Barnabas Blessing Boxes. Those go out in um, middle of next month, which actually will be two weeks from next Sunday. Is the 15th. Um, so anyway, if I did my math right, probably didn't. At any rate, Arctic Barnabas blessing boxes are going out. List of donations is there in the foyer along with the box to receive those donations. So if you're interested in helping to get that together. Um, Ken, would you need any extra help getting the stuff mailed out uh, with Candice being gone? Okay, if any of you are interested in, in helping Ken get those boxes mailed out, Candice is usually the one that's helping... Uh, take care of that. If you're interested in helping him get those mailed out, uh, just talk to him after the service. Uh, a final thing: Operation Christmas Child. Uh, again, uh, Women of the Word—they're going to be uh, in October. They're going to be putting together boxes, so they'd like to uh, fill as many shoe boxes as possible at the end of October. And if you want them to to uh, shop for you, you can just give them a donation, uh, and uh, and then. Make sure you designate that donation to the church for Operation Christmas Child. Or you can just give it straight to Kayla. And um, anyway, if you're, if you're ready to start shopping for yourself, there's shoe boxes available in the foyer. And you can turn those in uh, as well, uh, I guess with the Women of the Word. Um, and so we're, last year we had over 300 boxes, and that just blew my mind. I, I almost couldn't get up on the stage, which is great. And so hopefully, the Lord willing, we will uh, surpass that this year. Uh, given that we're actually starting a bit earlier on it this time, so um, any other announcements to make, anyone? Okay, one final thing I want to say: all of you who helped make fifth quarter go off without a hitch, thank you so much. There were folks that that uh, came and 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 served and and bought, brought food, all kinds of things, and it just went off remarkably well. We're just grateful for the opportunities the church to be able to do that. To, have a place where kids can come and adults and whoever, especially on homecoming when we have out-of-towners come, and they always like to come and and fellowship a little bit longer. We give them a place to do that, so we're just grateful that we can do that. Not every church has what we have, and we're just incredibly blessed in the Lord. Uh, Would you please stand as we uh, begin our service with a call to worship? If you will um, join me, I'll just tell you when to join in with me. Uh, This is from Psalm 103, which is actually the psalm that we'll be in today for our our sermon text. Uh, Psalm 103, verses 1 through 5. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless His holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all His benefits, who forgives all your iniquity, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit, who crowns you. With steadfast love and mercy. Join with me. Who satisfies you with good so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. I pray that we know today that the Lord is satisfying. That He satisfies you, us, so that we're like spiritually, we're like young men and women. We feel like spiritually we're 20 years old, six foot tall, and bulletproof. Not because of us, but because we have a God who of what he's done for us through Christ Jesus can satisfy us. So out of that satisfaction, let's worship our Lord together. final day of this month that we're going to emphasize in the service the rich texas offering which is our our yearly um, c- contribution to the work of the gospel in the state of texas we're giving to the rich texas offering through the southern baptist of texas convention and as you notice on the screen our giving goal is four thousand and we're four hundred shy of that and uh, this is the fourth sunday we've been emphasizing it and we'll receive that offering all the way through next month so if you haven't had an opportunity to give yet, you still have plenty of time to do so. You can use an envelope that's in the pew, or you can write a check, designate it uh, for the Reach Texas offering, and it'll get exactly where you need it to be. I hope that these videos have been encouraging for you. If you notice, um, if you've taken one of the, the prayer guides, uh, the videos that we're watching, there's, there's a little bit more story in uh, the prayer guides about... Uh, and, of course, we're not watching all the videos. There's videos for each one of those stories, but this one, this morning, is is really pretty neat to me. Um, you know, we're a, we're a sports town, and, and and we like our sports. And we're going to see in this morning's video uh, how a, a man, the uh, Lord laid on this man's heart to use basketball to, to bring people to the Lord and to even plant a church. And I hope you're encouraged by this, because when we give, 100% of what we give goes to, this works like this, because of our cooperative program giving and other churches who give to the cooperative program, all of what we give to the Reach Texas Offering is able to go to programs just like this. So so watch and be encouraged.
1: My name is uh, Dexter Laureano, and uh, by profession, I'm a nurse, and I'm the lead uh, church planter for... Uh, Redeemer Community Church, and at the same time, uh, I lead a uh, basketball sports ministry and it's called Redeemer Sports. It's when uh, we saw that people were getting excited about uh, following Christ and being passionate about learning uh, God's Word, when we were able to uh, build a, a Bible study group uh, from the basketball ministry, that just led us to. Uh, getting so excited into uh, planning a church. Basketball is so central to this uh, church plan, first of all, because I I really love basketball, and uh, it was my dream to be in the college varsity when I was uh, in college, and it just got disrupted because in my profession, I'm a nurse, and it's hard to do both. On top of it, basketball court was the the venue where I, I heard the gospel and uh, I received Jesus Christ. And uh, through that, um, God gave me uh, the opportunity to, to train kids and to be with the adult uh, uh, players, uh, just playing uh, every Saturday. And uh, it just gave me the opportunity to share uh, God's love and Jesus' love and my story uh, to all these people. So basketball is so central to this uh, church plant it's because um, God has called us uh, uh, to these sports and God is using this sport as a, an opportunity for us to to gather people and to evangelize and to share the gospel. The support that uh, we are getting from Rich Texas helped us a lot. It helped us uh, to be consistent uh, with our basketball gatherings because uh, those funds that you give us gives us uh, more mileage in in sharing the gospel and just going out and uh, fulfilling the great commission. It is always the desire of uh, the Redeemer Sports Basketball Ministry uh, to have its own facility, uh, basketball facility, where we can call Redeemer Sports Discipleship Center. Um, and at the same time that we can use it as a as the church, and um, uh, through this uh, we'll be able to gather more uh, people uh, to engage in sports, and not only that, it becomes an opportunity for us to share the gospel and disciple them. So I would love for for everyone to pray with us, and in God's right timing. Um, we're, we're praying that uh, we will have that and all glory to God.
2: With my mouth, I will make your faithfulness known through all generations. I will declare that your love stands firm forever, that you have established your faithfulness in heaven itself. You said, I have made a covenant with my chosen one. I have sworn to David, my servant, I will establish your line forever and make your throne firm through all generations. The heavens praise your wonders, Lord, your faithfulness too in the assembly of the Holy One. For who in the skies above can compare with the Lord? Who is like the Lord among the heavenly beings? In the council of the holy ones, God is greatly feared. He is more awesome than all who surround him. Who is like you, Lord God Almighty? You, Lord, are mighty and your faithfulness surrounds you. You rule over the surging sea. When the waves mount up, you still them. You crushed Rahab like one of the slain. With your strong arm, you scattered your enemies. The heavens are yours, and yours also the earth. You founded the world and all that is in it. You created the north and the south. Tabor and Hermon sing for your joy at your name.
3: What a reminder that we don't worship a God that made of stone or wood. But we worship the God the creator. Jesus holy and precious name we pray. Amen.
0: Please take your copy of God's word and turn to Psalm 103. We're still in a sermon series on grace. A sermon series called His Glorious Grace. You'll notice in the subtitle, uh, the word glory again, or at least used as as an adjective and not a noun, the glory of the grace of forgiveness. If you didn't bring a Bible with you today, please take one that's in the pew, and uh, in the front of the Bible is the Old Testament, if you'll find page 436, you'll be at Psalm 103. Our text is verses 8 through 12, so if you would please stand. For the reading of God's Word. Again, this is Psalm 103, verses 8 through 12. This is God's Word. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger, and abounding in steadfast love. He will not always chide, nor will he keep his anger forever. He does not deal with us according to our sins nor repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is His steadfast love toward those who fear Him. As far as the east is from the west, so far does He remove our transgressions from us. Let's pray together. Father, this is a weighty text. It's a glorious text. and The only reason it is is because it speaks of you and your character that it is your desire to forgive sinners. That's, that's how you are in your very nature. You're a gracious, merciful, loving God. Um, you, you long to forgive. You long to overflow with steadfast love and mercy. So Lord, as we consider once again your grace, and then focus in specifically on forgiveness, I pray two things, Lord. I pray first of all for us who have received Forgiveness, full and free in Christ Jesus. But these promises today would, would be ballast in our ships. We know we get tossed and turned in life. We get circumstances coming at us. Uh, we, we fall prey to temptation. And our heart seems at times to condemn us. And we think rightly so. For we know ourselves and we know what we're capable of, what we've done, what we have not done. So, Father, for those of us that are Christians that have received the ballast in our ship, in our boat. Um, help us to, to appropriate that, to be reminded of what Christ has done for us. And Lord, also for those that aren't a Christian, for those that don't know Jesus as their Lord and Savior, I pray today that they would know if forgiveness is this grand and this glorious and this amazing, then how extraordinary must our sin be And I pray that they would not consider sin and just think of it as, well, I jaywalked or something small. But Lord, through your Holy Spirit and through the power of your word, that you would give them a convicting impression of your holiness and your glory, your anger and your hatred for sin. And that through it all, Lord, your will could be done in their life as they put their faith and trust in a risen Savior. They might have life and forgiveness. They might live new. Lord, we commit this time to you and we pray in Christ's name. Amen. You may be seated. Again, we are in a ten-part series on grace where we consider, and I, I, I know ten sermons will not be near enough to talk about God's grace, but hopefully ten sermons won't be overwhelming too much that you'll be able to remember a lot of what the Lord speaks to you through this time. Again, as I mentioned uh, before I prayed, we're we're talking about the glory of the grace of forgiveness. It may seem like this morning grace is going to get lost in the shuffle and I'm going to do my best to emphasize that. But we really are talking about forgiveness today. And again... So we start off on the same foot. You know, you use terminology and, and people uh, often have their own definition in mind. And I'd like to offer a definition for us. And it's it a little bit longer. And, and if you'd like for me to give this to you after the service, I'd be happy to do that. Uh, but I, I think a lot of these things you will have heard before about, about forgiveness. Forgiveness is the freeing of a person from guilt and its consequences. One of those consequences being punishment. Forgiveness is usually an act of favor or compassion or love. And the aim of forgiveness is restoring a broken relationship. Now forgiveness can involve both the remission of punishment and the cancellation of debt. I realize that's a lot. But there's a lot there to forgiveness. It's more than just our sins are covered over. The Bible talks about forgiveness in numerous different ways. Uh, And so it would behoove us to know all the different ways that the Bible talks about and pictures forgiveness. As we start this this message this morning, uh, I'm going to talk about the grace of forgiveness. And then later on in in the sermon, I'll talk about the glory of the grace of forgiveness we find the the grace of forgiveness mentioned here in this morning's text in Psalm 103. And I want to point out to you that the grace of forgiveness, it doesn't start with us. It originates in God's nature. Now notice in verse 8 again. It says, The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. These are ways that the Bible describes God on numerous occasions. It's one of the ways that, he, that God revealed himself to Moses, which I'll mention in just a moment. But God is merciful, He is a compassionate God. His love that He shows on His people is unfailing. His love, He is slow to anger. And He abounds in steadfast love, loving devotion, loyal love. He abounds in mercy and loving kindness. So grace originates in God's nature. Now, I want to say this once again. When, when you and I talk about another person as being merciful or forgiving or abounding in love, that is not part of our nature uh, here's what I mean. And I want to make a separation between humanity and God. God, you and I, if we want to know, and what it, what really is long suffering, we have to learn it. That, that's what I want to emphasize. God never has to learn a thing. So long suffering, grace, mercy—that all originates in God's nature because that is. Who God is. He doesn't have to learn anything. It's it's exactly who God is. I want to remind us uh, again of of Exodus 34. This is God speaking to Moses. Talking about His own nature. This is Exodus 34, 6 and 7. And the Lord passed before him and proclaimed, The Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, keeping steadfast love for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin. That is who God is. Forgiveness is also a result of God's works. The grace of forgiveness is a result of God's works. Now I want you to notice, it says in verse 9, He will not always chide, nor... Will he keep his anger forever? And one thing I want to point out is, here is that God will not ignore sin. That's why there, there's chiding. There, there's a sense of chiding here. Or it talks about God's anger. God will not. I, if you're a lost person today, I need you to hear this so clearly. God's not just going to brush your sin under the rug. It, it won't happen. Let me explain. Exodus 34, 6 and 7, I read it just a minute ago, and I'm going to read the whole thing. The Lord passed before him and proclaimed, The Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, keeping steadfast love for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin. Now listen. And who will by no means clear the guilty Visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children and the children's children to the third and fourth generation. God will not ignore sin. But we have some grace here. No, God will not ignore sin. No, He may come down hard on you. But yes, He will not always be angry over sin. Praise the Lord. Now one thing I also want to point out here is that when God... You know, David here... When he says he will not always chide, nor will he keep his anger forever. Obviously, that is an experience that David was having in himself. He felt the Lord's chiding. He perceived the Lord's anger. And I want to submit to you that that is a gracious thing. Here's why. Do you know if you and I did not feel pain, we would not know that something is wrong with us. You know, people, uh, I, I've known a, a, a person who, um, who dealt with, with really, really severe diabetes and lost feeling in their feet and stepped on a nail and got an infection and, the, and they had no pain and they did not know something was wrong and they wound up losing their leg over it. So if God's hand is heavy upon you about your sin, He's doing you a gracious thing. To call you away from it. I say it like this it's the grace of God's righteous anger being displayed for you. We also see here the grace of forgiveness is found only in Christ. Look at verse 10. He does not deal with us according to our sins, nor repay us according to our iniquities. Okay, So if that's true, if He doesn't deal with us according to our sins or repay us according to our iniquities, then how is God just? How is there any justice in the world if God is just going to sweep things under the rug? Well, we know as Christians He absolutely does not do that. He deals with Christ according to our sins. Important words there. According to. In other words... The punishment will fit the crime. Christ did not get off with a lesser punishment. He was dealt with according to our sins. He was repaid according to our sins. And in doing so, God then was able to deal, not partially with sin, but thoroughly with sin. And in doing so, he also, God did, satisfied his own anger. And he fulfilled justice. Here we see, I think, in knowing that grace is, the grace of forgiveness is only found in Christ, is that God extended specific grace to us through substitutionary atonement. Now, he didn't deal with us according to our iniquities and our sins. There was a substitute who stood in our place. And he was repaid according to our sins and our iniquities. And having done that, then God and His grace, His love and His mercy could just flow to us. Grace of forgiveness is only found in Christ. and Finally, the grace of forgiveness is guaranteed through a covenant. There's no mention of covenant here. But I want you to look at verse 6 again. In your Bible, you should see that the word Lord is in all capital letters. Now that is how the Bible represents the name of God. And it is His covenant name, Yahweh. Of course, if I were Jewish, I, I would say Adonai. Because you don't, they, they consider God's name so holy, they, they don't pronounce it. In fact, we have to kind of... Uh, we're not sure if Yahweh is the actual uh, pronunciation. That, that's how high, in such high esteem Jews held God's name, they wouldn't even pronounce it. But it was God's covenant name. You notice in, in, in Exodus 34 is that, that I read a couple of times, the Lord, the Lord, that was His covenant name. God was making a covenant to, with the people of Israel, and that's what He told them His name was. And when you are in covenant with God, then there is a special kind of love that God has for you. The, Greek, the Hebrew word is hesed, hesed. It means steadfast love. And if you are in covenant with God, then you have, excuse me, you have his Hesed resting on you. If you are not in covenant with God, there is no Hesed resting on you. So, those who are in covenant with God, part of the way that he demonstrates his steadfast love is that he guarantees that he will through the covenant. We also see here the words us. And our. That, again, David is, is, is saying, verse 10, he will not deal with us according to our sins, nor repay us according to our iniquities. He's talking about the covenant people of God. Finally, notice he says in verse um, 12, I'm sorry, verse 11, for as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his steadfast love, his hesed toward those who fear him. So so this is a specialized, centralized love that God is showing that only comes through covenant. And it's because of God's steadfast love that the grace of forgiveness is guaranteed to us. Now I want to point out again in the text, and I'm going to put it up on the screen. As we start to consider now, not just the grace of forgiveness, but the glory of the grace of forgiveness. David writes here, As far as the east is from the west, so far does He remove our transgressions from us. Now why does He say east, west, and not north and south? Well, if you go to the North Pole, you've gone as far north as you can possibly go. You start walking in any direction, you're going to be going south. But if you start heading east, you will never reach west. So David is saying God has infinitely removed our sins, our transgressions from us. And again, the us here is referring to those in covenant with God through Christ. This is true. What is on the screen is true only for those who have repented of their sin and have turned in faith to Christ Jesus. Faith in His life, in His death, in His resurrection. And you may be thinking, Brother Shannon, I know this. Well, I want to impress this upon you. Know this in a deeper way. Know it in a deeper way. Don't just appropriate it, acknowledge it intellectually. Make it personal. Know it in your knower. You know what your knower is when you just know something is true. Know it in your knower. Root yourself deeply in promises like this. And they will anchor you when Satan tempts you to despair. And tells you of the guilt within. Look upward and see with your mind's eye. The one who made an end to all your sin. And when you do. You will be reminded not only of the grace of forgiveness. But the glory of the grace of forgiveness. In fact I want to put it to you this way. And it's just simply from the text. The glory of the grace of forgiveness is shown. In that God completely removes transgressions from the forgiven. He completely removes their transgressions. No sin remains. But there's more. There's more to forgiveness than God completely removing transgressions from His people. There's much more. And I want you to see with your mind's eye the glory of God's grace in forgiveness. Let's look at another verse. We'll put it on the screen. You don't have to turn there. But this is Isaiah chapter 38, verse 17. This is the word, These are the words of King Hezekiah. He was one of the few good kings in Israel. And there was a time when Hezekiah fell sick. And the prophet Isaiah came to Hezekiah and he said, Get your house in order. You're not going to recover. Well, Hezekiah pleaded with the Lord. And so when, when he was confronted with death, again, this, I'm going to put this to you this way. I think there he received a grace from God, the grace of bitterness and pain. Notice in verse 17, he says, Behold, it was for my welfare. God was gracious to me to do this. It was for my welfare that I had great bitterness. But in love you have delivered my life from the pit of destruction. For you have cast all my sins behind your back. See, Hezekiah would say it was a good thing that the Lord did this for me. It was for my welfare that the Lord let me experience the grace of his bitterness and pain. It was from there I cried out to God, not against him. I didn't accuse of him anything. He knows my heart, but I cried out to him. And and look what he experiences when he cries out to God. He experiences God's active love expressed through the gracious deliverance from death through his full and complete forgiveness. God totally forgave Hezekiah. So another way that we see the glory of the grace of forgiveness is that God completely removes sin from His sight. Not only does He completely remove sin from the forgiven, He doesn't put it somewhere where He can go take a gander at it later. uh, Or He doesn't remove it and then just kind of keep it around Him where He always has it in view. No. He removes it from the sinner, from the forgiven, and He puts it out of His sight. He says, I've cast it all behind my back. That's what that means. Cast it behind my back means that I don't see it anymore. But there's more. Look again in, verse, in Isaiah 35, uh, 43 verse 25. This is God speaking to his people. When you get to Isaiah verse 40, the verse 39 chapters are rough. Because God's coming down hard on his people through Isaiah. But you get to chapter 40 and, and things start looking up. Because God says, "You know you're, you're, your punishment is, is done. You have, you have, I've, I've demonstrated my anger. I sent you into exile. But, but that time is over. And I'm here to comfort you. And one of the ways that God comforts his people. He says, I, I am he who blots out your transgressions for my own sake. And I will not remember your sins. The glory of the grace of forgiveness. God displays when he completely expunges the record of sin. And remembers it no more. God completely removes sin from the forgiven. Does he still see it? Does it still, is it still there in his sight? Festering? Causing anger with him? No. No. God completely removes it from his sight. What, what, does he put it somewhere where sometime later he can say, Look, I kept this and I'm, gonna, I'm not going to let you off this time. No, God completely expunges the record of sin and he remembers it no more. To expunge means that it has been wiped clean. Nothing ever there. Now, here's why I want you to to just really process this. In order for there to be perfect justice for sin, there must be a perfect record of sin and a perfect punishment for sin. To say it differently, all sin must be brought to light and punished for justice to truly prevail. Prevail. Now, God knows all things. So He had, and I'm using the past tense, He had a perfect record of our sin, but He expunged the record. That's a legal move. There's nothing more on a record that can be brought up in a court where God could preside as judge and condemn. Legally, there is absolutely no guilt, but not only did God expunge the record... It says in, 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 the, in the Hebrew, he chooses to remember. He causes himself to not remember our sins anymore. You can talk about, about events with a verb in terms of just, I watched the game yesterday. That's different from saying, I'm watching the game now. One is finished in the past. One is in the present and ongoing. God expunged our record, and He chooses to not remember our sins. That is is something that's unfinished. That's what God does. A quote from Jay Adams is helpful here. Forgetting is passive, and it's something that we human beings, not being omniscient, do. Not remembering is active. See the difference between passive and active? Forgetting is passive. Not remembering is active. It is a promise whereby one person, in this case God, determines not to remember the sins of another against him. To not remember is simply a graphic way of saying, I will not bring up these matters to you or others in the future. I want you to pause for a minute and think, is that how you forgive? Is that how I forgive? Is that how we forgive each other? Or we we got that record that's well, it's out of sight. But at just the right time. I'm going to produce that thing and I'm going to hold you to this. I'm going to remind us. We, we pray in the Lord's Prayer. Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Would you want God to forgive you the way you forgive others? That's hard. Then if you want God to forgive you the way you forgive others, and, and you expect to be fully forgiven, then we need to fully forgive others. That's when we know we understand the glory of the grace of forgiveness and how we forgive others. Oh, but there's more. You're thinking, Pastor, it's, it's almost 12. I'm, I'm getting there. But there's just too much here. I don't want you to walk out of here with a subpar understanding of the glory of the grace of forgiveness. And notice in, in, in Micah how, how God describes, or how Micah destri- describes what God does with sin. He will again have compassion on us. He will tread our iniquities underfoot. You will cast all our sins into the depths of the sea. And when you see the word tread our iniquities underfoot, have in mind this thing. This uh, perspective, to tread underfoot, is to demonstrate conquest. Now, oftentimes, when a king or a commander of a group of soldiers was was conquered, the victor would put their foot on their neck on the on the conquered one's neck and would tread them underfoot. And then you'll cast all our iniquities into the depths of the sea. You see, God completely removes our sin. Not only does He remove it from us, He removes it from His sight. He expunges the record. He remembers it no more. And He conquers sin. He conquers it. And He casts it into the depths of the sea. In Christ, sin is a vanquished enemy. It is conquered. It has been tread underfoot. There is no chance of sin, being able to somehow overpower forgiveness and bring condemnation. No, God has cast all our sins into the depths of the sea. He cast them. They didn't fall overboard. He's not thinking, oh, I lost them and I'm going to go look for them. No, He cast them into the bottom of the sea because that's where He wants them. Now, when you think the depths of the sea... Think of this. I think we all can remember that time when there was a Malaysian air, air flight that, that got lost over the Indian Ocean somewhere. Vast stretch of water. And they looked and looked and looked and looked, and they never were able to find it. Now they think they know where it went down, and they looked and looked and looked, never able to find it. That is what God has done with your sin in Christ. It's gone finally now here's the ultimate test Okay, and I'm going to recap this remember God completely removes your sin he removes it not only from you but from his sight he puts it behind his back he expunges your record so there's no legal uh, offense that you've committed it's clean he has chosen and continues to choose not to remember your sin anymore so that the relationship is restored and there's nothing in between you He conquers your sin and He casts it into the depths of the sea. But here's the ultimate test. Are you ready for it? Stand before a holy God. Stand before a holy God. That's the ultimate test of forgiveness. When you stand before a holy God, there's nothing left for you to do. So what does God do for for His people? Colossians 1, 21 and 22. Paul says, and this is in the NIV because I really like how it says this. Once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior. But now, He has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in His sight, without blemish, and free from accusation. Do you see that? Holy. Without blemish, free from accusation. Here again, we see the glory, the glory of the grace of forgiveness. Because in the presence of God, Christ presents the forgiven, holy, without blemish, and free from accusation. Once the ones that He presents before His Father, they were alienated, but now through His body of death they've been reconciled and presented to God in Christ. Once they were hostile in mind, doing evil deeds. Now they are holy. They are without blemish. They are free from accusation. And the reason is, not only because God has expunged their guilt and removed their sin, but because in Christ God has made the forgiven this way. They, it's, not just, um, it's not just word play. In Christ, the forgiven are made holy. Made without blemish. They're made free from accusation. This is how, it, when, when Paul says in Ephesians 10, we are His creation. Talking about Christians. God created us in Christ Jesus this way. So you stand before a holy God. Christ would never think to bring something into the presence of His Father that would incite His anger. God wouldn't accept it. So you know what, friends? As we've considered the glory of the grace of forgiveness, here's what you need to know. God has proven over and over. He has said it over and over in his word he has given us proof of full complete and unconditional forgiveness full complete and unconditional romans 8 is so true now there is there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in christ jesus no condemnation romans 838 31, Paul says, What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? If God has done all this for us to bring us not only the grace of forgiveness, but to show us how grand and glorious it is, we look at it and we say, If God is for us in this way, who can be against us? And we need to see this glory because 1 John 3, 19 and 20, John says this, he's reassuring people, he's writing to people that he wants them to be assured, and he says this, by this we shall know we are of the truth, and listen and reassure our heart before him. For whenever our heart condemns us, God is greater than our heart, and he knows everything. In my prayer before we started, I, I, my specific prayer for all of us is that in those times, John writes about, when our heart condemns us, that we won't listen. You know, people will say, you need to listen to your heart. I'm telling you, don't do that. Go to these particular promises See not just the grace of forgiveness, but the glory of it. The glory of it shines so big that you can't possibly look at your sin and have your heart condemn you because you know that there is grace that is greater than all of your sin. So when your heart condemns you, remember these things. God knows you. And God's not going to condemn you because you are His in Christ. So I want to ask you, all of us right now, is your heart reassuring you or is it condemning you? Is it reassuring you or is it condemning you? Now, I think if you're a Christian, I would think that, that you're gonna your your heart could be giving you reassurance, or there could be some conviction. Remember earlier, Hezekiah said it was for my welfare that that I had bitterness and pain. God, God's hand may be upon you. And you may, you may feel, and, and, and listen to me, it's not condemnation. Condemnation and conviction are different. Condemnation says, okay, done and over with. Off to face your punishment. Conviction is the Lord trying to talk to you, to, to impress upon you that your sin is separating you. It's, it's causing harm in your relationship. It's not good for you. So, If if you are under the conviction of the Lord this morning, I want to remind us of 1 John 1, 9. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. But if you're outside of Christ, uh, your heart is not reassuring you today. Uh, No matter what you say. Again, I want to say this. People will say, listen to your heart if you feel like it's right in your heart, then you're okay. God's, you're just being true to you, and God's going to accept you. No. No. That is not true. If you die outside of Christ, there is nothing awaiting you but condemnation. That's it. Don't try to reassure yourself by thinking, Well, I'm, I'm better than old Joe Blow over there, old Sister Susie. If you die outside of Christ, you'll be condemned. But I want you to know today that you can have assurance that you are forgiven. God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son that whoever believes in Him should not perish but have eternal life. And the assurance of salvation and forgiveness can have the weight of Of all of your sin removed from you. You can experience the grace of forgiveness full and free. And you can begin day after day to understand how glorious it is. What God did for us in Christ. Removing our sins. Blotting out our record. uh, Remembering our sins no more. Casting our sins behind his back. treading sin underfoot throwing it in the deepest part of the sea so that we know on the day of our death we will stand before a holy God with our Savior who will present us holy without blemish and free from accusation. If you don't have that assurance today, you can have it before you leave today. And I pray you've been listening. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we know that your death was a death that was a powerful act on behalf behalf of us uh, that that God did for us in sending you to die for us. And, And you didn't spin your wheels. You didn't accomplish nothing. You died for people. We know that apart from hearing the gospel preached, that those who need to, to receive Christ as Savior and Lord, they, they will not turn from their sins. So I pray, God, today that for those that uh, are reassuring themselves that they're okay, that you're not real, they'll stand before you someday, and, and you'll be just gracious and loving and merciful and abounding in steadfast love. And, and Lord, impress upon them that you are holy and you will not, um, you'll, you'll not clear the guilty you will punish sin. And Lord, explain to them through the Spirit that, that, so that they can know that it's true, it's real that Christ died so that forgiveness, full and free, can be given to people who do not deserve it. Show them your grace, Father. Lord, reassure us through these promises. In Christ Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We're going to sing Blessed Assurance this morning. I think that's a great way to end our service. Because what we've tried to do today is to talk about assurance that's ours because of the glory and the grace of forgiveness. We're going to sing about it now. And if you're here and you've never received Christ as Savior and Lord, this assurance can be yours, but you have to make, you, you have to, to, to turn from your sin and put your faith in Christ. Let's stand and sing Blessed Assurance. Jesus is mine. on our prayer list. Uh, does anybody have any, any news on Addie Webster? I haven't seen anything recent on her. Um, she had a seizure, but it was related to her chemo. Right. And then um, they're and she's fine. Okay. They're getting chemo adjusted. Okay. All right. And uh, Judge is, is um, plugging along. Um, Aaron said that there's a particular issue that's kind of holding him back. And... Uh, and, and that got cleared up, and so uh, he's told Aaron the other day, "I'm having a really good day." So, if you pray for, for Judge, um, pray that he has more good days than bad days. I got to see Ben on uh, Friday, and um, pray for him. Um, he's pretty weak. Um, he hopefully will be back in Lano at the nursing home this week. Pray for Ben. Uh, Ken and I got to go see Candace this week. She is doing so incredibly well. Uh, I was so encouraged. Um, pray for her. Uh, hopefully the end of this week, uh, she'll finish up her time at St. David's Medical Center in Austin and move to Marble Falls. Um, if you'd like to call her, uh, I think, I find that she's very understandable, but she would love to talk to you. She talked Ken and I's ear off the other day. Um, she's eating solid food. Praise God for that. Um, she's just doing so remarkably well. Um, John Hawley's mom um, had a heart issue recently and uh, had a procedure done, and she's, uh, I think, to remove a blockage, and she's going to have um, a valve replacement before long. Uh, continue to pray for John in his recovery. I uh, Pray for Sam's granddaughter, Kirby Marrick as she recovers from ACL surgery. Colton Bench had his surgery and was at the football game on Wednesday night and is doing well. Should be back to school on Monday. Uh, Mr. McMillan normally sits back there in, in the middle. He hadn't come for a long time. He had a fall recently, and he has a hairline fracture in his hip. So pray for him. Uh, Denise is down visiting her brother, Porter Brook, Burke. Um, have they received anything back from about the test? Okay, he had a, a CAT scan done last week, or CT scan, or maybe that's the same thing. Also be in prayer for Mary Catherine. Uh, she's doing well over there, but she's, the jet lag was really taking a toll on her, so she's asked for prayer for um, just to get her energy level back up. She's got lots and lots to do. If you're interested in receiving the prayer uh, note that she sent to me, I'd be glad to text it to you. Uh, so just let me know. Finally, I uh, want to encourage you again to continue if you're a prayer champion uh, with the Pray For Me campaign. Yes, sir. He's still in surgery, right? He is in recovery. Okay, all right. Well, Larry had gone into surgery. Um, I guess he went in about the time church started, and so gallbladder was removed, and everything's everything's good. Okay, praise God for that. He's been in a little pain since Thursday night, so we're we're glad that he's doing better. Anything else? Any other prayer updates? All right, well, let's stand. We'll pray together, say the Great Commission, and we'll be dismissed. Uh, Father, we are indeed grateful, again, uh, that you are the great physician, uh, that there's not one single square inch of all created things that you are not Lord over. Uh, We pray, God, that um, those that we have mentioned today, those that are fighting cancer, those that are dealing with other illnesses, Um, That you would reach down and put your healing hand upon them. Uh, We praise you and thank you for uh, progress that we see that's being made uh, with all these different folks. Uh, Lord, we lift each and every one of them up to you. You know better than we what they specifically need. So we ask that um, in accordance with your abundance that you would shower upon them uh, and meet their need in this time of need. Uh, We pray specifically for our brother Larry and ask God that you uh, bring him quick healing and grateful that the surgery was a success. Uh, Father, send us out with a reminder of this great commission and uh, use us for your glory in Christ Jesus' name. Amen. And Jesus came and said to them...